Webster's Dictionary defines betting as... <laughs> oh, man. That's good. Hello. Welcome to Off the Crossbar episode 35? 35. 35. This is episode two in the docu-series uh, that we're... It's it's not a docu-series. It, it kind of is. Is this going to be episode two? Like Episode two of the... We, we don't have, know. Like, we're recording this one second. This is the second one we're on the timeline. May or may not be episode two of the timeline. I'm saying we should storyboard this and get it all straight, guys. Okay, we can do well, that next time. We'll do that next time. We're not one yes. for preparing. But this episode uh, is going to be about um, it's gonna it's it's a kind of a retrospective about um, a club icon who is departing or has officially departed the club. That of course is Andy Bomadog Williams. I I don't know what sport I was pretending to be an announcer for <laughs> right then, but it didn't feel like soccer. But it, hey, it was beautiful. So. Andy is officially done with RSL for the time being. Um, and I just kind of wanted to go back through his history at the club because um, he's very, very beloved by everyone who is an RSL fan. And he's, you know, been around since the bad days. And you might think to yourself, oh, Kyle, I, I thought we were in the bad days. No, I mean, like the first bad days um, where we just we where we just sucked. I guess. And we were so bad that that was bad enough to be called the bad days. So Andy is a, he's a Canadian Jamaican. He's a Canadian born Jamaican. And, um, he did grow up in, in Jamaica and he it did play in the States at Rhode Island university, university of Rhode Island. Not sure which one of those is correct. Um, and played soccer there. He was never not going to represent Jamaica though, when it came to national team though, because his dad, I don't know if you guys knew this. His dad played for the Jamaican national team. Do you know that, Trevor? Did not. No, I mean, the very back of my mind seems is telling me that I did know that, but I couldn't mm. tell you his dad's name. So I, I'm going to say no. I his last name that. was Williams. I'll give you a hint. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, I think. What's his um, first name? You'll have to learn to find to find out, cool. Matthew. Um. So before he ended up at RSL in 2005, he in, in total, it's been a year of 13 years in MLS, including his time at RSL. But before that, he had bounced around quite a bit and he had like a couple or a few like one year stints at like Columbus, Miami, Fusion when they were a thing, uh, New England Revolution, the Metro Stars and also Chicago. Um, but very short stints at each one of those and then finally found his home with Real Salt Lake. And at the same time, um, starting in uh, 1997, he played for the Jamaican national team, which during the World Cup qualification that year is when they became officially known as the Reggae Boys. Like they weren't called the Jamaican national team. They were just called the Reggae Boys by literally anyone who was referring to them. Um, but like n notably Jamaican media. And they did make the World Cup in uh, in 1998. And he played in the World Cup in 1998. He didn't get a chance to play in, in another one, but that was uh, something really cool that he got to do at that time. Um, and that 1998 is a is a long time ago at this point. One of the just a select few RSL players who have played in the World Cup, right? Yeah, we've got Kyle Beckman, Eddie Pope, right? 
Eddie Pope. Yep. I can't. There, uh, Clint Mathis. was on the roster. I don't think he played, though, did he? He did not yeah. play. Um, did Cunningham ever play in the World Cup? I can't remember. Ooh, Almost I, certainly, but I'll look it up. Yeah, I would think he did. Um, so, you know, uh, those RSL years early on were really bad. RSL was not a good team at all. Um, if anyone remembers some of those early Rice Stadium days, not good. Okay, they were uh, they were not good. But there were some good moments, like. Andy Williams scoring a goal and running into the trying to jump into the crowd, but the walls being too high. So he didn't really quite make it, but he played it off really well because the rest of the team really just surrounded him. Great video. Highly uh, recommend looking that up. It's a goal against what I I think is Shiva's USA. But anyway, great game, bad teams back then, but everyone had fun. And, but because of how bad the team was at that time, um, I think the fact that he stuck around through all that and was there through the lowest and then through the peaks and then everything after that really endeared RSL fans to Andy and vice versa. And I think regardless of what's happened over the last year, especially I think Andy will always, um, and he'll, he tell you that um, he wants the club to succeed because he thinks the fans deserve it. And obviously there, he's left a, a pretty big impact, but um, something I forgot about is so the first year RSL ever made the playoffs was 2008. And that was, of course, the year before RSL made it to the MLS Cup final and beat the Galaxy in penalties. But earlier in the in the uh, 2009 season, um, it was the July f- uh, 4th game. And he found out before the game that his wife had been diagnosed, his, his wife at the time had been diagnosed with leukemia. And she had a really rare form of leukemia and he like before the game didn't tell anyone like no one knew what was going on um but then after that game like he completely like broke down and told everyone what was going on and of course like the club was very supportive of him and his family at that time um but he wanted to continue playing because uh i mean like he was obviously there to support his wife and did but um he was able to clear his mind when he was playing soccer and uh, she did eventually make a full recovery um, they're not together anymore, but uh, Andy, I heard him on a podcast talking about how she's uh, healthy and living in Florida. So just enjoying the sun. So good for her. Um, but in that season, of course, was when RSL made it to the MLS Cup final through like the weirdest. Um, like you might wonder, wow, why did a Western Conference team, Real Salt Lake, play another Western Conference team, the LA Galaxy, in the final. That's because for that playoffs, we were actually an Eastern Conference team because we made it in through the wild card that existed at the time, and we barely made it. And, uh, yeah, somehow managed to sneak in through the Eastern Conference and then beat the Galaxy in the final. Um, And he had been to a final before with the Chicago Fire, and um, RSL was riding on the the momentum that they gained the year before by beating the Rapids to make it to the first uh, playoff series. But that 2009 game, the final was really interesting because if people remember, Javi Morales got hurt in the first half and had to get subbed out really early. And this is a game that went into uh, ended in penalties. So went into full 120 minutes of extra time and Andy, you know, this is toward the end of Andy's career. Um, and he wasn't in the greatest shape, he would tell you. And he uh, regrets not working um, 
out more, <laughs> he said. And he would usually Same. get yeah, he would usually get subbed out before most games were over. He was like the guy like he would usually go like a solid 75 minutes and then and then get Jason would take him out. But because we had to take out Javi early in the game, Andy ended up having to play the entire match, um, like literally all 120 minutes. And after the penalties, um, and we won he could barely walk and he he wasn't in any of the celebration photos because he was in the locker room with ivs in his body <laughs> trying to recover from that game so there's no photos of him celebrating out on the field for the the um, trophy celebration he was in the locker room um, getting hydrated intravenously are there uh, photos of him getting hydrated you know there aren't he's oh. he i know there are photos of him with like like bottles of champagne, which he said rivals uh, like NBA championship celebrations in locker rooms or baseball celebrations. So um, I haven't seen those. I don't think, I think I've seen like the pictures, you know how everyone got like that picture, like that one of uh, that really, really good one of Yurimov Sissian of like the, just that photo of him made me excited for him to come back. And then it was just a disaster. So um <laughs> yeah, shout out to to Yura Mobsisian. Um, but after his re- uh, retirement, he he joined the front office like pretty inst- pretty pretty soon after, maybe instantly. Um, and he became the full full time head scout at, at Real Salt Lake, and uh, things were things were good for a while. But um, in 2012, Deloitte Hansen took over full ownership, uh, and then. Right after that, Jason left in uh, at the end of 2013. Garth, Bill, Manning, um, yeah, they all left. And De- Deloy, according to Andy, thought that those guys were too um, loyal to Dave Checkets anyway. So, like, they were. It was good that they left, <laughs> which is really sad to think about. But, um, so after you, you know, I think uh, you don't need to rehash out all the things that took place between then and. Um, you know, now, but I think it's important, like this last year of his, his time at RSL is a really, it's a really tough, but important one. Like I, it's really, it it started with him being furloughed in April of last year because of uh, the coronavirus pandemic. Um, And according to Andy, he didn't hear from anyone in the front office, uh, like in, an official capacity, I think is what he's referring to, but he didn't really hear anyone until December. He says, um, at that time he did talk to Elliot and who's of course the GM now and then, and said he would love to have him back. But until there's not, uh, until there's a new owner, he couldn't hire him back is what Elliot told him. And, And the vibe that Andy got which is concerning. It felt like it didn't seem like we were going to have an owner, any a new owner, anytime soon. Mm. Um, but he continued to hold on a bit, like through that. But an important piece that that took place, of course, during his furlough was when he spoke out and essentially whistle blew about what was going on in the Real Salt Lake organization over the last, you know forever since Deloitte Hansen took over, I guess. Um, but what I, I, I kind of forgot all, everything that happened really, but I was going back and, you know, um, I read back through the transcript of his email or his, his interview with Tom Hackett, um, at KSL. Cause that's when Andy really first came forward. So Andy having been on furlough for, um, you know, I, I don't, I can't, was this September when this finally happened? 
sounds right. 24th yeah. of July-ish, right, was when things oh. started to unravel. Oh, you're right. Yeah. So yeah. I think it was probably August. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So he spoke out with, um, and he was talking with Tom Hackett about, you know, everything that, that transpired. And the reason that's interesting in, uh, in particular is because he feels very strongly that, um, you know, if he hadn't spoken out, he would have been brought back. And he's probably right because we know that Deloitte Hansen is still in a, a lot, has a lot more control right now, even with him being on the outs than we'd probably like. Um, well, definitely like. And so, you know, he really kind of cemented his legacy and his also his exit with really being the catalyst of what ended up being uh, the death knell for Deloitte's ownership of Real Salt Lake. And um, I think it's a really, uh, it's an important sacrifice because I think without him, <clears throat> it was a, it was a cascading series of events that really took place in order for it to finally come down on Deloitte in the way it did. I think that if Andy isn't the one to really piece and glue everything together, um, at that moment, I don't know if Deloitte really, um, ends up being in as much trouble as he got in. So uh, <clears throat> Andy was, of course, incredibly important in, in all of that coming together. And unfortunately, also is probably <clears throat> a pretty key reason as to him um, exiting the club. But even since then, uh, he um, had kind of just been waiting. He really hadn't heard much from the club, didn't know if he was going to get brought back. We still don't have a new owner. Um and he ended up just going to get a new job and uh he now works for um a pre at pre-college event developmental academy i think he's a coach there but he tweeted out a series of tweets that were <clears throat> that were super interesting when he announced that he was getting this position he said i haven't heard from the rsl front office in over a month this is on february 24th um, so I've decided to move on with my life. This past year has been very hard on me, parentheses, furlough, DLH, uh, COVID. I've never felt more unappreciated and disrespected in my life. I've called Utah my home since 2005, and I've loved every minute here. This state will always have a special place in my heart, this club, the fans, and of course, all of my teammates that I've played with. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. I'm also pretty sure if I hadn't come out about Deloitte Hanson, I'd still have a job here. Being the only person of color to be furloughed from the front office should have never or should have been a red flag for me. Adding that to the first call I received from um, Elliot Fall was in December. I was furloughed in March, by the way. Um, yeah, and then he also tweeted, "Now I know how Javi felt." Which, if you, I mean, I, to be honest, I think uh, Andy received more disrespect than Javi. I think Javi was dealing with a lot of incompetence, but also. Um, yeah, I think Andy, he, not only does he know how Javi felt, but like he, he really is, um, uh, I don't even know really how to describe how that must feel like being, feeling like he was doing what he was doing to save the club from the people it needed to be saved by, but that also essentially being what was going to make it like sealed that he was going to be gone. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really sad. And, you know, we've, We've heard like I've heard some things about like maybe, you know, he, he wasn't getting brought back for other reasons or something like that. But the way this looks to the outside is really, really bad for Real Salt Lake, because um, when you have someone like Andy Williams, who's like a club legend, 
um, for his time on the field, but also just like how long he's been with the club and you fail to protect him in a time like over, over this last year, that really rubs people the wrong way. So if they had other reasons of not bringing him back that weren't made public, um, it almost doesn't really matter at this point because, uh, you know, what the public sees is, is this is everything I've said. Like, I'm just showing, I'm just reading what is known to everyone who's been following this whole situation. And it looks really bad to me and for casual observers who just have fond memories of Andy Williams and his time at RSL and fond memories of the 2009, um, MLS cup win, like this looks really bad for the club. And, um, this of course comes on top of how, you know, Jason Christ's exit from the club. Um, but Javier Morales being like the biggest and, uh, starkest example before this of just like not really giving the club legends what they're due. Um, yeah. Anyway, I, I've also got some more, like, I want to talk a little bit about he, he's, he's, Andy is an entertaining Twitter follow and, uh, <laughs> he often likes to do Q and a sessions and I, uh, I've got some hits and misses that he's been tweeting. Oh, yeah, let's do you guys highlights. have any, do you guys have any thoughts first? I mean, um, I was just to build on the last kind of point you were making. We obviously we've heard Andy's side of the story and, you know, I'm sure there are definitely two sides of the story. And the biggest problem with this is that we don't know the other side of the story because nobody's saying anything at all. Like at the very least, what I would hope that the club does is some a tweet even from somebody saying Andy you're a hero you're a legend thank you something like that if that's all they did was just a tweet good luck in your future endeavors a tweet would be better than what they've done which is yeah. zero they haven't done anything the only so thing they've maybe done there is was, two sides yeah. of the story but there's we don't know any bit of the other side so the only thing we're left with is Andy's version yeah yeah, so, and yeah, like it's, the whole, it's incredibly like, disappointing from it, the club. And and to like, you know, Andy getting the or yeah, Andy getting the message that like, oh, until a new owner, we like we're we're kind of we are on like a hiring freeze. But then they like very loudly announced the hiring of Luke Mulholland as a team scout, but then have told other people head scout, which is of course Andy's job, and Andy didn't know that was going to happen it's a really bad look to not even mention him at all and i don't know like if there is some like circumstance that that they is preventing them from hiring him then sure like whatever but but for the sacrifice you but we don't know that that. yeah either to andy or to the fans whatever it's got to be communicated and there simply hasn't been any communication And to anybody I, for anything. I, I can't remember if I mentioned this on a, a, on a, another episode where we talked about this, but like whatever he's done or whatever they're stopping him, stopping them from hiring him, like the sacrifices that he's really made over the last year, I think uh, warrant giving him another shot of, for whatever. Like he 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 deserves some more time at the club, and um, yeah, it's really too bad to see how this has ended. Yeah, but yeah. even if even if his time is up. Like I said, just to harp on the same point over and over again, the club needs to say something, anything from anybody, put somebody's name on it, put out a statement because the only thing the club silence does is it just 
foments anger at the club from the fan base. You can't treat a club legend this way. You you can't and expect it to come out positively for you. Mm -hmm. I'm on. So I'm obviously also disappointed about his departure and the way it happened. And, and it's obviously hard to see Deloitte Hansen as the owner, like okaying his return. Um, yeah. which makes this even worse right like mm-hmm. it's not a mitigating factor for me it's it's something that's damning um and it's it's really hard yeah um at the same time i'm actually really excited for like this gig he's in now it reminds me a lot of what they were doing with the rsl academy when it was at grande sports in arizona yeah uh, it was like this focus on on like building people into like collegiate athletes yeah um and certainly they produce plenty of professionals there yeah. Um, and we can point to them that came straight out of the academy, but like yeah. that focus on on growing people, I think is a good thing. And no, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for that for that uh, that role he's taking, and hopefully he comes back someday. But yeah, I hope so too. Until um, then, I hope he's well. Yeah, so he'll be moving to Arizona um, and get a, gets to work with the kids. The dream. It's, it sounds like a really cool spot. But so. Uh, as I mentioned, he's got like he's gone on some funny like rants about, you know, um, players that like could have been. Um, but two two players that he's mentioned that he's really proud of, um, one being Demir uh, and he the players that he's been able to bring in, he um, uses as ex- like examples of like, you know, what he what he was able to do as a head scout with despite being as hamstrung as he was with a lot of. Um, you know, Deloitte essentially controlling like way too much of the soccer decisions. But um, something that was interesting when he, when he was talking about Demir is that he, he said that they were actually there scouting another player on Demir's team. And um, they scouted the team multiple times and they were just like, wow, this Demir guy is like really good. And he keeps playing really well when we're here. So they changed plans and got him instead. <laughs> so I think they were there to get a center back too, which is kind of funny, but um, yeah, so that's how um, Demir ended up. But also, he's re- incredibly proud of Pablo Ruiz, um, and especially with how he's played after Mike Petke's departure, who continued to not play him, but then also play him out of position. Um, just oh. a really fantastic player who we re-signed, uh, which is great. So uh, two two big hits there, um, and some misses that... Uh, Ooh, this is exciting. He mentioned a couple or uh, two that I w- I really didn't know about, but um, uh, Christoph Piatek is one, of course, that was infamous around here. Uh, that was quote above his pay grade. Um, why that was uh, said no to, which was we've heard uh, Petke said he was too slow, Delo Hansen also not being willing to spend the money. So. That was um, that's not really a surprise to, to anyone. But this one, I had no idea. Um, he said we, quote, went down a few streets with Cedric Bakambu. Did you guys know that? I, I OK, this might be exposing my ignorance. I've never heard that name before in my life. OK, so Cedric Bakambu, he, he's 29 now, um, but he he played at Villarreal um, after playing in Turkey like he he did super well in Turkey, went to Villarreal, um, and did incredibly well in, uh, um, La Liga. And then now is in China and is just tearing up the Chinese league, which is funny (laughs) because like, I mean, 
I, there's like a there's like a ton of players that end up in China. A lot of Brazilian guys and a lot of guys from Africa as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, and he, he's from the Congo. He, he he plays for the Congo national team as well. Uh, he's a really great striker. Um, in fact, I have him on my FIFA Ultimate Team as well. I was just playing with him earlier today. Uh, so yeah. And then uh, German Con- Cano Cano Cano. Anyway, Cano, he's Cano. one that uh, Andy was really um, close to getting, I guess. And I don't know what all happened there. That one may not have been a Dylan Hansen thing. That may have been a Cano thing. But um, an incredible uh, attacking goal scorer as well. Um, Hal Robson Can- Canoe, who plays for West Brom Albion right now. Um, that was just another salary thing <laughs> and just couldn't get the money for it. Um, but something that I, I think was reassuring to see, well, I don't know. It was, um, it, it, it was, uh, yeah, I guess reassuring is the word, but he, he mentioned Academy players in, in general, he wished he would have, like, they would have signed a bunch of those guys earlier. So like, he felt like they were you know, properly ready to go to MLS at the age of like 15, 16. And, you know, we didn't sign when we're talking, of course, about like Sebastian Soto, Richie Ledesma, uh, Josh Booth, just like a lot of those guys who, I mean, who, uh, yeah, really great players in Europe. And um, we just missed out on. So, yeah, really too bad. But, you know, uh Overall, I, I, it's just reading back through Andy's legacy here. He was just just a really cool player to have um, around. Like I, uh, on the Utah Royals opening match, I went to that that game alone, and um, I was just hanging out on, on like the. Um, I was on the west side, just like kind of on the little like you know bar stands that they built. I was just like hanging out up there. And, uh, I didn't know, and I, I don't know Andy personally. I know like he's friends with like Jake and those guys, but, um, like he and I just ended up next to each other and we talked through like that entire like game essentially. And he's just a really cool guy, really nice, super nice to everyone who would come up to, to talk with him. And he's going to be, uh, his presence will be missed, uh, at, at, at the riot, which is keeping its name. Definitely. So Anyway, um, that's all I've got. So, nice job, Kyle. Thank you. Thank I, I you. feel like I actually learned a lot. That's my homework. Um, Robson Canoe. That's isn't that weird? Wow. I had no idea. Like that was that that would have been a cool one. Just like I'm, just all these strikers that we missed out on is just. That's a, it's a good sign that like Andy Williams is a a good scout of talent. Yeah, and. Uh, we're only as good as we are because of him in the last five years. Oh, and um, unfortunately, with, there are other factors that made us bad. Yeah. But. yeah. And like with Cedric Bakambu in particular, he was trying to bring him in um, after his spell in Turkey. So in 2015, he was trying to bring him in before he went to Villarreal, <laughs> and who he scored essentially in every other game for. So. <sighs> yeah. Too Bobby bad. Williams. Bobby Williams is his dad's name. <laughs> that actually makes sense. That's a. That's a good Jamaican dude's name. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. We'll see you in our next episode, which will be released soon. Yes, in two days. Good night. Good night.
world.